So how much Googling about Spanish stereotypes and differences between regions did you do? Zero. <laughs> really? I Absolutely was, zero. I, was I did obsessed. no homework. I, no. I was absolutely obsessed with figuring out these minute differences. Like I knew that there were things that were going to be super recognizable to Spanish people, but I wanted it explained to me in the absence of an actual Spanish person coming and explaining it to me. No, once the joke is explained to you, it's impossible to be funny. So I just let the comedy okay, wash over me. I think that that's me. true. I think that that's true <laughs> in certain cases, but I do think that context helps. I'm sure context helped quite a bit in this movie. I'm actually... Uh, well, well, yeah, we'll you need no context. I'm, yeah. I'm eager to talk about this movie. All right. Um, well, this, I mean, it sounds like this movie means one of our movies, but the overarching theme of the day is Spain. All right, let's do it. Ole. This is Necromancer. Necromancer. Mayamo, Shira, and I know how to say my name is. In English, I will say I am a fan of romantic comedies, you know, movies of the Corazon. Uh, and what about my partner, Brett, joining me as always? What kind of movies do you like? Well, I really like horror movies. Um, yeah, I actually really liked this horror movie, <laughs> but, um, muchos pesos to this horror movie. Ah, <laughs> oh, muchos, muchos bloody pesos to this horror movie. <laughs> uh, well, every week here at Necromancer, I pick a rom-com, Brett picks a horror movie, and then we remix those movies. We turn the romance into a horror and the horror into a romance. And if you hadn't already guessed, the theme this time is the country of Spain. The rain in Spain falls gently on the plane. <laughs> I you don't know that one. You, okay, clearly, me being the romance fan, I've seen My Fair Lady. I mean, at oh, least yeah, I've never five. seen it. You've never <laughs> seen My Fair Lady, but ever. But well, I know it because well, everything ever has always done a My Fair Lady. Like every TV show has always done a My Fair Lady episode of. I'm pretty sure that we've watched <laughs> at least one My Fair Lady setup for this podcast. Oh, I can't, at least. I can't think of it off of the top of my head, but multiple movies I've picked, I'm sure, have featured at least one person getting My Fair Lady. But the reference to make this not funny anymore, as you were saying earlier, by adding context, Eliza Doolittle one of her elocution exercises to go from a cockney English accent to a, a proper accent is she has to say the rain in Spain falls gently on the plane. Ah, uh, wow. 
There was no rain in either of these movies. No rain in either. Actually, there might have been a little rain in A Spanish Affair because it's raining when he wakes up in um, Basque country or or wherever they are. Uh, But, you know, I, I have to ask because I always ask this and I love asking this whenever we do a uh, country themed episode. If we were aliens and all we knew about earth were these two movies, what do we think? Do we land? (laughs) (laughs) No, Steer clear. Uh, I would I would be more willing to land in wreck than in than in Ocho's Apelledos, because that's a that's a different kind of horror movie that I'll get into. But the, I would think that people love getting involved in other people's affairs. Actually, like, that is very true for both movies. For nobody both has movies. any privacy. Everybody wants to be involved. And nobody cares about lying, particularly. Right. And there's a there's a lot of like getting involved in other people's business. In in Rec, it's a it's a it's a apartment complex, and all the tenants are accusing each other of all this different stuff. And then in in Ocho Apelledos, it's like everyone is in everyone else's business, and it's it's crazy. Yeah, there's um, no privacy at all. None. <laughs> everybody, everybody has to get involved. I mean, I I know that Australians are pretty crazy about their children, uh, but I I feel like Spain is showing a different side of the crazy parent paradigm. Um, yeah, I think that I would say that it feel it feels like whereas in Korea we kind of joked about. Um, physical violence being the Korean love language, or at least threatening to kill each other, which happened often. A Uh, lot. In both movies. In Spain, is the love language of Spanish people embellishment? (laughs) Just simply being super over the top? It could be. I would say... So you said that you did some some research for this movie. Did you do any of that research? Like, did you do it ahead of time? Or did you do it, like, in real time as you watch the movie? Or did you do it afterwards? So that's a great point. I actually paused the movie to look things up. Like, right. um, an example would be in A Spanish Affair or uh, Ocho's Apellidos or Apellidos. You said it correctly. You said it beautifully. It feels like you were coached. If I did say it beautifully, I I will I probably won't be able to recreate that. Oh no. I probably <laughs> I probably will butcher the saying multiple times. No, but you were apelledos. doing You were doing so well. Ocho apelledos. Apelledos. Uh, but one of the things that came up early in the movie was the roommate making jokes about her being a terrorist. And I was like, I didn't know that this was a thing. And so I paused the movie to take a detour to learn about Basque terrorists and separatist cells. And basically it's like Irish Republican army stuff. But me being an English speaker, I related to the English culture 
things that I already know about because they're immediately accessible to me. So the idea that like knowing that that there are Basque terrorists was totally new to me. I mean, and I guess I, I could have just stuck around for the movie to kind of show me um, what the sort of Basque rebellion faction and the culture around that was like, but I needed to know more info that would have been accessible to me if I were, a, I don't know, a Spanish audience or something. Yeah, I I purposely didn't do any of that just because I figured like that would be a different a unique kind of perspective. I wanted to see if the movie could communicate all of that stuff to me throughout the course of the movie without me having to know about it. And I mean, overall, I think the movie did a fine job with all that, but I'm very glad that I watched this movie with my wife, Sonia Santa Maria, who is half Uh Cuban, half Colombian, who speaks Spanish. So although she is not from Spain and her family is not from Spain, the language They were colonized by Spain. Right. And the language, I think, plays a very important part of the the aspect, especially of, of Spanish affair, because... That that is much closer. Like when I said that I was thankful for Poltergeist and finally got Sonia to watch the movie Poltergeist, she was kind of just like not interested in the movie as much as I thought like anyone watching that movie would be because I had like a white, normal, suburban childhood. But for Sonia, Sonia had this kind of upbringing where it was like everyone is in everyone's business (laughs) and she's on the phone multiple times a day with her family. She'll call her mom. Then she'll call her grandmother to tell her what her mom said. Then she'll call her brother to tell her what her grandmother said about what her mom said. And then she'll call her mom to tell her what her brother said about what her grandmother said about what she said. And so like, it's just Sonia, Sonia enjoyed this movie so much more than I did because I was kind of just like neutral throughout the entire movie. I guess that that's how you would feel. And I'm glad that Sonya's here to back me up on it being fun. But no, I mean, like, it wasn't that the movie was bad. It's just, you know, when it comes to comedy, comedy can be a fickle mistress. And the movie just, it was like me standing there and and like... Did it it remind you of a gathering with the Santa Maria's? Oh, as an outsider yeah. and we just i i just had we just uh her part of her family was just here so i spent some time with her family um very recently and it was it was like that and um so yeah I don't, it was like you know superman it was like i'm superman and someone shoots this movie at me and it just reflected right off of me i mean it's a fine movie i can talk about what makes it a good movie but watching it with someone who actually genuinely enjoyed it and was laughing at all the right beats made made the experience much better for me. So I, I'm very because Sonia almost didn't watch this movie with me, which I don't blame her because we didn't really know anything about it or anything. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting you say that. Um, I would say that between the two movies, I'd heard about Spanish Affair more recently um, because I was on the romance movie subreddit and somebody was asking for Spanish language romance films and a commenter mentioned a Spanish affair and said, oh, it's so funny. 
I've even asked the commenter, I said, oh, of the movies you recommended, which one do you think is the funniest? And they said Spanish Affair. Although they did add the caveat that a lot of the humor was going to be more accessible to people who were Spanish because there's a lot of regional jokes and, you know, things like the the whole Basque versus Sevilla um, right. whole whole affair. Um, but, you know, I and then did my research and found out that similar to my sassy girl for uh, Korea, for South Korea, Spanish affair was an immensely popular and successful movie in Spain. Like, I think it might still be the highest grossing movie for Spain. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is this is a movie that is made to be entertaining. And I could see a lot of people being entertained by it. Like, it's no, a- yeah. Now, Wreck, I'd heard about Wreck years ago. Uh, And in fact, I even was a bystander to someone else having the same problem I had with the movie, which is being unable to find it with Spanish audio anywhere. I I could only find the English dubbed version. And I'm so jealous that you were able to find the version of Wreck um, that has Spanish audio and, and English subtitles. I just I couldn't find it anywhere. It was. So I, frustrating. I had to do some digging. Yeah, I didn't even think about it. I should have sent it your way. But it, yeah, it it took me way longer than it should have. Like, why? But yeah, that that movie. I feel like that movie ends up on a lot of lists of like, oh, greatest horror underrated gems and stuff like that or you know like i've I've heard other horror fans talk about wreck before so when you too and i had never seen it too so yeah i was surprised i didn't know it was um spanish like i knew it was spanish language but not from the country of spain so as soon as i saw it on those lists i was like oh great excuse to finally watch this one Yeah, exactly. Well, now comes the question I have to pose in every first parter of our theme. What movie do we talk about first? Um, I watched Wreck first, but I'm I'm pretty keen to talk about Ocho Apelleros. Yeah, let's do it. I actually I did the reverse. I I needed a palate cleanser really badly last night. And I thought, you know what, let's do some homework and make ourselves feel better at the same time. And so, of course, I watched Ocho first. uh, And then um, I I watched Wreck, to be honest, not long before we recorded this. (laughs) yeah um but yeah let's talk about it let's start by talking about the translated title the who oh wait 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 wait. i also thought before we get into this i thought the reason why you picked this movie is not specifically i knew that you mentioned that like someone had mentioned it on reddit and you 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 kind of gave me a buffer of like hey there's going to be some regional humor there so i don't know if it's going to translate but Mm -hmm. i thought you found it when you were looking for wedding movies because we just did weddings no this whole movie is about a wedding no not at all it it completely missed my radar but you know what, what the a problem happy connection though you know what the problem is is you know with wedding rom-coms there are just so many there's oh, so yeah. many i i had the convenience of being able to pick a brand new movie that just came out and i thought yeah let's let's just do this for weddings you know right. j-lo's the ultimate wedding rom-com star 
Um, but yeah, if I were actually picking for the theme of weddings and looking through wedding rom-coms, it would be a nightmare because I wouldn't know which one to choose. And you even have recommended a great wedding movie in the past that you love, Bride Wars. Oh yeah, Bride Wars is great. I would have never in my wildest dreams thought that we would get on this podcast together and you would recommend a rom-com that I hadn't even seen. Yeah. I, I love it. Uh, Anne, Hath Anne Hathaway and um, who is it? Kate Hudson? Kate Hudson, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those two people are, they're both good at what they do. They both have good chemistry in the movie. I still stand by it. It's a fun time. Put it on the marquee. Uh, but yeah, with The Spanish Affair, I did not know that the movie was going to be about a wedding or my favorite kind of wedding, a fake one. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I was very pleasantly surprised and I will be calling out the tropes in the plot as we talk about them because there were some very delicious yummy tropes in this movie where I was like "Ooh, I love this setup you decided to add this spice to the movie and you brought in an old favorite there's only one bed ah delicious yeah uh yeah this movie's full of tropes but it was it was comforting it was nice to see like as soon as they started setting up the trope of like oh okay yeah they're gonna do this next okay yeah, yeah i'm looking forward to that yeah oh yeah and then of course they added a very spanish spin on it like i i keep thinking about what an american affair would have been like like how could you how could you translate these regional differences into American regional differences? I mean, I think it would be hilarious if somebody fell in love with a girl only to find out that she was an insurrectionist. <laughs> fucking right. terrible. Okay, no, I'm I actually am not I I seriously don't want that. Um but uh yeah I I did keep thinking about that and then at the same time they they gave us some highly recognizable uh romantic comedy tropes but before we dive into things I want to talk about this this title translation where do we think mm. that it's a good choice that they went figurative rather than literal I, oh, yeah. I I just I wonder was the translator for the title thinking like what am I going to do? It's just, it's a Spanish affair. It, and nobody's going to understand eight, eight Basque surnames. Yeah, no, that wouldn't make sense. It, I, I don't know that a Spanish affair is a great title. Like a Spanish affair. It doesn't mean anything. It doesn't tell us anything about the movie, whether it's funny, whether it's sad, what right. kind of affair it is. Um, right. But it honestly but, feels like somebody just rang their hands and was like, I don't know, a Spanish affair. It's yeah, it's the lesser of two evils for sure. Because you like having having eight surnames or eight Basque surnames as, as your English title would not. That would be even more confusing, although maybe I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they're Maybe giving us work. enough credit, but I mean, it's certainly eight Basque surnames would be 
uh, it would stand out as more unique than a Spanish affair, which just feels so general. Um, but yeah, I found it, I found it interesting that we got that change. Um, but let's find out about the Ocho Apelleros Vascos. Ocho Apelleros Vascos. All right, here we go. I'm just going to do a quick brief little disclaimer on like how this movie bounced off me a little bit, which is this movie has a scene where the main character, Amaya, is going to be 100% up front with her dad, but her dad just keeps cutting her off. And so then she has to lean into the lie that her dad has misinterpreted, which creates all sorts of hijinks. The, the idea that the hijinks could have been solved with just a tiny bit more patience and, and one more line of dialogue to me, I don't, I, I don't know how to, how to, best do it but like again this is a a, maybe there's a language barrier maybe there's a cultural barrier but to me i like the kind of hijinks that are curb your enthusiasm type hijinks where a character like larry david will sort of create the chaos around him rather than having the chaos envelop him you know what i mean wait but rafa definitely creates some chaos before he gets involved in the lie his I, I did not like his character. Period. Interesting. I thought his character was bland. I thought his character was dumb. The fact that his character shows up completely in love with Amaya one minute and then the next minute he's pretty much just ready to leave her is to me it just didn't like I'm here for the hijinks. So the fact that they had to make the hijinks almost reluctant, I don't know. I just, again, this movie bounced off of me, but I'm going to try to be positive when I'm talking about it because... I didn't mind him. I I didn't, I didn't. I didn't mind him at all. I, I felt like he... I don't he know. Zero also, character. <laughs> also, we should maybe give the guy a break. He's a comedian, and this was his first ever role in a movie. That I'm not surprised at. I was thinking this guy's got to be a comedian... He's got to be a name, but not like a big name. This is like early Jim Carrey type thing where it's like, okay, yeah, this guy's a comedian who's hungry for his big break and this is it. And so now he's got his movie. But to me, it just like this guy was 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 bland toast. Like it just he completely bounced off of me. A lot of the movie just bounced right off. But uh, That's okay. Sonia's got my back on this one. Yeah, Sonia liked it. I mean, at the end of the day, though, like it was one of those movies where Sonia chuckled throughout most of the movie. She she enjoyed the movie, but then once the movie was over, she was like, "eh." <laughs> so, um, but we've got stab me got... with more daggers. <laughs> yes, <laughs> ocho daggers. Um, we've got Amaya. We're gonna open on a like. Uh, we had to figure out some of the um, some of the subtitles and stuff. So I don't know exactly what the movie opens on, but it opens on like a bar and there's a party and there's these. Well, it actually opens up on some really recognizable like landmarks. Like they open up on the city of um, Granada or it's 
it's they're they're showing us the landmarks of Andalusia. One of the things that I noticed that they show in the very beginning of the movie before we even get to the bar is um, there's this historic site called Alhambra. And I'm probably even saying it wrong, but it is it is a really fame famous monument. It's like an Islamic palace and fortress. It it has really unique architecture. So as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, it's Alhambra. Um, and, and I immediately knew that they were trying to tell us that like, here we are in a specific city in Spain and then we close in on the bar and the first shot you get are these flamenco dancers. And then you see the back of a woman's head with that big Spanish comb in it. And so it's like a meat, it would basically be like. The American version, it's like zoom into the Lincoln Memorial and then cut to a barbecue or something where or like a a McDonald's where we're all eating hamburgers like it like they immediately threw like the most Spanishy things at us right from the beginning. Right. And so the so we've got Amaya. Amaya is there with two friends. Are those yes. friends also from Bosque? I think that they might also be Bosque, but they're they're more willing to to go. Like I guess it seems like Southern Spain is where people go to party, and so right. they're there to kind of have fun and get drunk. And they've kind of dressed themselves up very stereotypically. Like she's wearing this whole flamenco getup, and then her friends wearing the pink uh, payet, pin, pinata. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it, it seems like they're at like, um, a bachelorette party. Right. So the, the three friends kind of stick out a bit, but even among the three friends, Amaya, our main character sticks out a lot. You're right. She looks very typically Spanish. And so, but it's then, a parody. Right. So then Rafa, who is one of the owners of the hotel, I, I, or I uh, not the hotel, the, he, the, he, he works, works there, there, but he also yeah, provides yeah. entertainment. I think he's a comedian. Right. Yeah. He's like an MC guy. He's just a guy like, yeah, if you're a party town, if you're if if this is a fun place to be, you're going to have a guy who's like a hype man. You want you want everyone to come have a good time. So he's there to make sure everyone has a good time. He goes on stage and of course he singles out the boss girls and he starts telling some boss jokes. Uh, Again, the equivalent being like if if you were in the north, but then you saw people like you knew people from Alabama were in that club, you would specifically just start making Alabama jokes. Right. Um, exactly. And he makes a joke about, I, he makes, it's not even that funny, but specifically it's that it's the one joke that she responds to where this, this girl was fucking a, a bass guy and then told her family that he gave her gonorrhea and they said, well, at least he's Basque. Yeah. <laughs> and that and that got her all fired up. And then right, she so, said, I'm from the gonorrhea family. <laughs> so she I liked gets all that. fired up. That translated up. Yeah. well to me. Um, well, so yeah, she gets all fired up. She fires back at him. He fires back at her. They go out into the streets and they are arguing and yelling. He drags her out and they're just... 
they're fighting. They're fighting and they're fighting and they're getting all heated. It's so of spicy. course, yeah, mu, mucho. I don't know the difference really between mucho and muy in terms of when is proper to use it, but it's mucho spicy, muy spicy. Uh, I think so we muy do the classic. Is very and mucho is many. There you go. I still won't know. Um, we we do the classic cut to them at his apartment making out and. Of course, it's very cute, and it's like they really like each other because they're all fiery and and passionate. Uh, One problem, though, she's had a little bit too much to drink, so as soon as she goes to the bed, she falls asleep. Uh, He falls asleep next to her, but nothing happens. He's a gentleman. Nothing's ever implied. It's just, it's, it's a fine night. However, she wakes up. Um... Or no, I'm sorry. He wakes up before her, decides to try to like woo her romantically. And Mm -hmm. his roommate- Breakfast in bed. Right. His roommate is there and his roommate is one of his coworkers. And so his roommate's like, oh, what'd you do? Go sleep with the boss girl? He's like, yeah. And he's like, what? Next thing you know, you're going to tell me she's in the apartment. And he's like, yeah. And so he takes his breakfast to make it their breakfast, goes to serve her breakfast in bed. But- Boom, she does a Batman on him. She has completely disappeared. Luckily for Rafa, she has left her purse behind. That means she's left her ID behind, which means he knows exactly where she lives, which means he can go win her back because he is now hopelessly, hopelessly in love with her. Maybe it's a machismo or macho thing where he's so used to just banging tourists that come to Granada that to sleep with a girl and not bang her feels special. I I think there's a lot of stuff that you probably could justify this movie, like from its point of view that I would agree with. Like a lot of the stuff I, I do get what the movie's going for, but the movie's just a little too, we're a big fan of formula here. And so I think this movie is formulaic, which is not a bad thing, but I think it's just a little too bland with the formula. A lot of the stuff just feels a little lazy, like, yeah, we'll just do this. I do agree that he decided he was in love with her pretty quickly, and it was more a matter of him repeating over and over again that he liked her than me actually seeing through the movie that they had something together. Right. But again, I mean, you know, it's a trade-off. The movie, the, I think the movie embraces the hijinks enough where I'm completely willing to look over all of that because I'm here to have a fun time. So Rafa goes onto a bus to go to Bosque and there he meets, I don't know her name, Mersh, Merche? Merchi? Merchi? I said Merche. Or Merchi. Anne. <laughs> Annie is her fake name. That's not her real name. But I do love when she's like, I would like to be called Annie. Yeah. Where he's like, okay, I'm going to give you a fake name. It's this. She's like, actually, I already have a fake name. (laughs) Which was pretty funny. Um, So he meets Annie. And Annie Annie approaches him like, hey, you're not from Basque. And he tries to play it off like, you know, he puts on an accent. And he plays up the stereotype. And he's like, I am from Basque. And so while he's on the bus and he's talking to Annie and he kind of does like, 
it is cute. Like I, I relate to the shyness and adorableness of this character and the puppy dog aspect of like, I'm so in love with someone that I'm going to go on this crazy, stupid adventure for them. But um, I, I liked when he's pretty much just like, he can't contain his, his enjoy, like his pleasure of going to meet this woman who yeah. he's newly in love with. And she picks up on that. So like, she's I did in there. She gets it. Right. So I did like their, their relationship a lot. Annie and Rafa's relationship. I liked a lot. Because she's like, hey, come to my house. I'll serve you food. Oh, you're only in Boss for one day? Yeah, that's what I said. Uh-huh. Yeah, so- Merchi, Merchi, or Merchi, or because it's Mer- Mercedes is her full name, but or Oh, then Mer- let's call her Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, Mercedes or Merchi. Um, she was by far my favorite character. Like oh, far easy. and above. If there was a tier ranking, she's S class. And then everybody's B and below because she was literally the best. I 100% agree. She was amazing in this movie. Um, so she's just super cute, super and she friendly. she offers Migas. And I was like, I know what Migas are. <laughs> I love Migas. And I only know about Migas because I moved to Texas and met Sonia. So, like, I never knew what Migas was when I lived in the North. Oh, yeah. They don't um, have Migas in Rochester. No, they have garbage plates. Look it up. It's great. It's like um, hash browns and shit, right? It's a bunch of stuff. It's, <laughs> it's <great>. garbage. <laughs> it's garbage. It's the most delicious garbage you'll have. But uh, Mercedes gets off the bus and she's just so cute. She waves goodbye to him and she's like, hey, I will see you later. I'm being hospitable. Thank you. We're, we're friends now. Bye. <laughs> Little does she know. <laughs> and so, But it's so great how they do meet back. Um, but then Rafa gets off the bus. He goes to Amaya's house and she looks... I mean, the what she looks like now is she's like a, I don't know how how you would describe her. Not like a punk rocker, edgy type, but like she doesn't look like what she did. She's a little edgier. She looks like the kind right. of girl who blows glass as a hobby. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, she looks she looks very artsy. She, uh, she looks might at home doing, welding. Yeah. Like she looks like yes. she can carry something heavy in from out outside on the porch. Like she, she seems very much like a, I don't know, a guy's girl. Yeah. She, she looks like the kind of person who's always keeping busy with some kind of art project and she's never out to master one form. She's just always dabbling in a bunch of different stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and he's kind of turned a Spanish off pixie dream girl, <laughs> Spanish pixie dream girl, for sure. He's, he seems like he's kind of turned off by it at first. Like, what did you do? I liked, yeah. I liked your stereotype outfit more. Yeah. Uh, he's making fun of her for who she actually is, which is cute and endearing because we know they're going to fall in love. So she kicks him out and he's like, He's madly in love with her. He really wants to spend the entire weekend with her and bring her back home as, as in to like save her from Bosk because Bosk is such a horrible place. She obviously, no one would want to live there willingly. He's there to save her, bring her home and turn her into like a proper Spanish girlfriend or wife. It does um, seem like the like the Bosk area or the region that they're in that everybody is a little more edgy and, and sporty. Right. They've um, all got piercings. Yeah, they've all got piercings and they've all got undercuts. 
uh and and yeah no they they have a totally different vibe from those those damn Sevians andalusians Ugh. um so rafa goes out into the street he accidentally sets a fire in a dumpster which causes him to be thrown into jail where he then meets a couple other hoodlums a couple other revolutionary types and of course in order to play up his character he pretends to be uh i forget what his name is but the machine gun machine gun something yeah Um, yeah he says his nickname is machine gun Uh, eventually he takes on the name anton or anton after her ex but yeah he he claims his nickname is machine gun and that he's part of a particular um basque terrorist cell which again for english language people i think could be similar or related to the irish republican army like you know, right. car bombs and dumpster fires yeah. and stuff. They all seem, they got. make it they make it seem kind of harmless though. They they don't make it seem yeah. that scary, even though all the Andalusians that uh, Rafa hangs out with are scared of her being a terrorist. But this is also where the movie is like it's kind of a Looney Tunes level like harmlessness sort of like it's also characterized, and even the main character is so doofy and innocent he's very in his doofy. racism and it like i don't know if it's racism but in his prejudices he's so innocent and doofy that it's comical and of course over the course of the movie he learns to grow and he learns to love boss people for boss people and all that so like it's fine he's in jail he he meets up with some some other revolutionary types but uh amaya goes to try to sell her wedding dress because it's revealed that anton or anchan or uh, sonia was sonia was picking apart some of their uh the the way they talk because of the lisp you know the way colombians speak spanish and the way spanish people speak spanish is not the same no it's not the same at all and then cuban too they have a completely different dialect for spanish it I mean, for me, because I'm from Texas, I feel like the Spanish that's easiest for me to understand is Mexican speaking Spanish. To me, that right. sounds clear. Whereas right. even for me, it was hard for me to tell. And then also even harder to detect when they were switching from speaking uh, Spanish to speaking um, Uscari or or whatever the Basque language is, because the the mother and or the sorry the father and daughter did speak in Basque too. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree. All of that was stuff that again I just had to let the movie wash over me, as opposed to try to like really understand it. Um, but Amaya's father, um, when when Rafa had, I thought that Amaya's was so funny. Purse, they called her father as soon as they called her father to try to figure out, you know, like let her know, Hey, we got all your stuff and whatnot. As soon as they call her father, the phone dies. So of course, now that Amaya has her phone and stuff back, her father shows up and is like, Hey, I'm so glad you called me. They haven't talked for six years for so long. And then he sees a wedding dress in the back of her car and then he knows that, like, oh, you're with Anton and you're with this guy. So she's trying to let him know, like, no, he left me. He deserted me. He broke my heart. 
but she just doesn't have the heart to tell her father that because it's clear that it means a lot for her father that she's in a relationship with a Bosque man. And so like, it well, just maybe becomes... she doesn't want him to leave, Brett. I know that you felt like the whole premise of this big lie. Again, you're you're. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna argue with you. I think you're totally right that it could have been solved by an on- honest conversation between father and daughter. But you know, the movie plays it up. He has his own sort of um, score theme that goes with him arriving. It's very schmaltzy and sentimental. And you can tell that this meeting is very important. And and she would do anything to get him to stay. But because he's a fisherman, he's almost always out at sea. So you get the sense that she doesn't get to have a lot of time with him. And then the time that they do have together can be very strained by his expectations. But she just she just wants him to stay. I didn't quite get the fact that she wanted him to stay. I thought it was more like she just wanted him to not worry about her. But it makes sense. I mean, there's that, too. But she hadn't seen him in six years. And Mm -hmm. probably whenever she did see him, it was it was very brief. Uh, By the end of the movie, I'll agree with you. Yeah, because there's a very touching scene with her where she gives him a hug and everything. I loved it. It's, It's very nice. Yeah um so of course what does she do she uh but again like sometimes when when it feels like stuff is being thrown at the main character and they're like i don't want to be a part of these hijinks but it just I, there's something about it whereas again it, it's got to be a cultural and language thing because the hijinks and curb your enthusiasm are different and that character Larry brings it upon himself a lot or even if the situation is thrown at him he he puts his own spin on it that it makes it it just I, he the the way Larry plays with hijinks as opposed to the way that these filmmakers play with hijinks it's again it's just a matter of like too much salt versus not enough salt like it's it's one of those palette things that's hard to really define well, you have an American palate and you right. are used to the tradition of how, you know, American shows and movies do comedy. And Larry David has been doing comedy for decades and he's honed yeah, he's it really in a very specific <laughs> cultural really way. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. I watched the most recent season of Curb uh recently and i thought it was just as good if not the best season yet i i felt like you know he's only gotten better in my mind but there there's a way there's a way that the hijinks happen that that is different but it It unfolds very organically where this feels like it's kind of thrown at you and the character says okay without you feeling like he has a real motivation whereas i do think that like you keep coming back to curb your enthusiasm, but one of the things that curb your enthusiasm is good at is giving the characters strong motivations for why they right. have to do what they're right. doing. But also, I mean, Larry was a character even at the first season of curb because he had an entire show's worth of personality behind him. You know what I mean? So like it, I definitely agree. Like, I like Larry David. <laughs> so I also, like any, he hasn't yeah. been as successful at movies. Sour Grapes right. did not do as well as Sour Grapes um, was a big flop. 
Yeah, sour grapes was a, a big flop. To be honest with you, it was, um, it was just a big episode. I don't, re- I don't even remember what it was like as a movie. And then he did another movie too that oh, I yeah, think also did clear history. It was fine. So it was yeah, fine. exactly. So you have to, yeah, you have to right. give credit where it's due. It is harder to make this work for a feature than I think it is to unfold hijinks episodically. No, yeah. I mean, it's a totally unfair comparison. Um, you're absolutely right. But just to get back on track a little bit, because we, we've, we've, we've barely even broken into the hijinks yet. We're just doing setup. Uh, oh, but now, Amaya, but now we, we have the setup. She's got to go get him right. now. Amaya goes, she, she busts, I mean, she pays to get Rafa out of jail and is like, hey, you've got to pretend to be Anton for the for two days for the weekend and rafa's like no i'm going home and she's like please and then she gives him a tiny little kiss. she basically seduces him one tiny little kiss at a time and he's like okay you're you're a pretty girl and she is she's a spanish pixie dream girl she i would hang out with her for the weekend for sure um but they go on a date and immediately her father picks up on the fact that he's not boss which means her father knows that he's hiding something, but he doesn't quite know what it is he's hiding. So, of course, he wants to look out for his daughter. So her father is kind of like forcing Rafa to be Anton and like do all of this crazy stuff. For instance, the father wants to take him home. Like, hey, it's time for you to go home. I'll drop you off at your house. He doesn't, one problem, he's not Bosque, he doesn't live there. Oh my God, I so, love that scene. So of course, what do they do? He drunkenly has them drive him around the city and then, oh wait, I know this house. It's Mercedes' house. <laughs> so he's like, oh, just drop me off here. There's lots of like, uh, no, why don't you go inside? I'll help you break into this window because you lost your keys. Like we're getting into hijinks, which is like, okay, yes, I'm here for the hijinks. And then- as a Southerner, though, I could relate to the dad needing to wait until the person gets inside. Or maybe that's just a, maybe that is a universal custom thing where you drop that, someone no, that's off. that's a universal custom thing, yeah. Yeah. You, I've you been in, I, I have been in the situation where my friend dropped me off and I was super drunk. And it was, I just moved to my new place in Rochester, New York. And so the street layout was unfamiliar with me. I lived on the end of the street. So as soon as my friend pulled me up, I woke up out of my drunken stupor and they were like, where do you live? I'm like on the end of the street. They said, okay, then we're on the end of the street. Here you go. So I said, okay, walked up to a house and pretended to get inside and like turned around and waved to them to be like, okay, bye. And I was thinking like, I have no idea where I am. I have no idea where I am right now. And luckily my friend drove away and then I was able to walk back out to the street and just go, okay, where am I? Oh, I'm on the wrong end of the street. Let me just walk to my house. But it was, you know, when you're drunk and you're stupid and you're, you know, when you're wake, when you're just in that like drunken wake up stupor, I was like, uh, just drop me off here. Go away. I'll figure it out from here. But, uh, right. No. And so now the situation is playing out cinematically and it's like, right. oh, he lost his keys. And of course, Rafa's like, yeah, that's what happened. And he's like, don't worry, yeah. I'll give you a boost. So he puts them inside the house. He, he, he helps him break inside the house. And then Mercedes is like, oh, my God, someone broke into my house. 
he's not angry like, though she's like he's like Shh, wait it's me rafa the guy from seville and she's like oh you should have told me you were coming i didn't have the tomatoes for the bigas or the onions and she's like she's just so happy to see him and so then of course Ra- uh, the dad hears yelling in the house so he goes to knock on the door to make sure everything's okay and Rafa's like hey pretend to be my mom and she's like oh my god I was like a theater major I'm all for this and like again Mercedes Annie she- he's like you're gonna be Antoinette and she's like no it's Annie I've already got my fake name and she just knocks it out of the park she she's immediately so got into character and she's like, hey, why don't you guys come in for a drink? And he's like, no, we want them to go away. She's like, no, it's polite. We don't want them to actually come in for a drink. It's just something you do to invite people in. She's like, she's playing up the part big time. And it's very cute and it's very fun. And we all instantly fall in love with Anne, uh, Annie. And um, she even makes plans for the next day without his yeah. consent. Is like, yeah, yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> And so uh, Rafa wakes up and decides he's going to book it out of town, which again is just like, all right. So he goes to leave out of town and then she gets in her taxi, catches the bus, pulls up in front of the bus, gives him a big kiss and essentially is like, no, come back with me. So he goes back to the hijinks. They go on the boat because uh, her dad's a fisherman. So they go on the boat and I again fucking the the cojones on annie to be like the first thing her father does is to be like hey rafa's a little weird and she's like uh you think rafa's a little weird how about your daughter she's a taxi driver is she good for my son dot 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 so she turns the tables right around on him and of course they start to kind of like develop a little uh a little chemistry a little spark oh she wants to fuck caldo Oh, big time. Big, 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 big time. So uh, so after the fishing trip, they go for a drink at the bar. He orders a drink wrong, of course. Like, there's tons of regional humor, stuff that, that I didn't look up. But uh, the people at the bar are also the people that Rafa was in jail with. So they're all like, hey, fellow revolutionary machine gun Anton or whatever. Like, his name is like, Ibiza or something and they're like hey we've got something big planned for the protest so we cut to the protest and they put the they put the megaphone in machine guns hand and he has to get them all riled up and he's doing a very bad job at it until he stumbles into doing a really good job at it and, and he's he gets like, into hey, it <laughs> yeah, he's like, hey, why don't you speak a Skuskian? And he's like, uh, well, if I do, then the Spanish won't know what we're saying, which is very good, very clever. I like that part a lot. And so then he starts coming up with these like fun little chants, and he's 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 even like acknowledging to himself. Everyone else around him is like, hey, you've got to reel it in. Uh, Maya is like, hey, reel it in. He's like, I'm flying here. She's like, don't <laughs> land the plane. That was very funny. <laughs> uh so of course the uh the revolutionaries start some trouble and uh some 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 gunshots ring out the stuff the stuff gets escalated but everyone escapes unscathed uh his friends see him on the tv and think that he's like being held hostage or something (laughs) 
I like that uh, moment too. Like as soon as they're wondering, okay, I do think that it was so contrived that his friend had the beer and was taking the sip. And it was like, of course there's going to be a spit take. They just wound right. up that spit take so obvious that it, it just, I mean, the punch missed me because I saw it coming from a mile away, but I, right. I knew immediately that we were about to have a spit take. Um, we could use more spit takes, I think, in, I, in more of our little silly rom-coms. It's a classic for a reason. Yeah. Um, speaking of classics, this is where we get the single bed set up, which is, Woo! it's it's implied that, of course, and quote-unquote Anton and Amaya are, are, they live in the 21st century. They, of course, they've been together. They've, they've slept in the same bed together, but they're still traditional in the sense that when their parents are in town, they sleep in separate beds. But because of the drunkenness of the day and all the hijinks and everyone's so tired, the father is like, hey, no, we get it. You guys, you guys are, are about to get married. Just go sleep in the same room together. And um, the whole time, of course, Mercedes is like really playing matchmaker. She's fairy godmother of the movie. She's doing a great job. She I gets think it. She She's just all there wants for the them to leave so that she can hit on Caldo. I think she's doing both. I think she's. she's <laughs> you think she's multitasking? She's great at it. She, she's the MVP of the movie for sure. So they send the two couple off to bed. And of course he sleeps on the floor while they're talking. But then the father drunkenly knocks on the door, which means he's got to jump in bed with her. And then, I like that. But I, I, I don't know the, the pay, the punchlines again, like I, I get why the movie did all the setups, but to me, sometimes the punchlines were a bit underwhelming. Um, the single bed thing was a little underwhelming. Uh, the father talks to Mercedes and she drunkenly kisses him and like walks away from him. But it's clear that she's like, he, he kind of very gently rejected her. Right. Cause he, and I guess he wasn't feeling it in the moment um, for whatever reason, which is, I mean, why? I Merche's think it was more a, of a Merche's, personal thing. Merchie's a think. smoke show. Or maybe he felt weird because it was she was the mother of the son that was about to marry his daughter. Maybe that feels right. weird. I don't think he turns her down because he's not interested. He turns her down because he's trying to do what he thinks is a gentlemanly thing. Um, mm-hmm. How long does he she, realize? <laughs> right. So then he calls up his, his go-to priest. And they oh, go I love to Father the- Ignacio. Yeah, He's great. Father Ignacio was very good too. Uh, they go to the priest. The priest is like, "All right, hey, I'm gonna set you guys up with a wedding, but first we got to do confession." And Rafa's confession is like, "I'm not Anton. I'm from Seville. I don't even want to do this." He folds and- like a house of cards, and I found <laughs> this very interesting. And this was another moment where I paused the movie to look up the religion by population for Spain. of Spain is Catholic. So this idea that that people would resonate with the good Catholic boy bit, um, I guess, is very believable. But yeah, the one place he cannot maintain the charade is in the church in front of God. Rafa takes full advantage of the priest confessor confidentiality clause here because the (laughs) priest is unable to tell the father 
all of the hijinks that are happening, which means the priest is in this very peculiar spot of like, he can't let on that he knows anything, but at the same time, he is making it obvious that he's trying to persuade the couple to not get married at every step because it's not the I right loved thing to that do. bit. This marriage is sacred. It was very funny. Um, but so what do we have? Once again, Rafa tries to leave and Amaya chases him down in her wedding dress and tackles him. And they have this big kind of breakup fight. Fine. Go. If you want to go scene cut to them in her apartment, making out and, and finally they they do it, but it's very sweet. And you know, for for a sex scene, it does what I feel like sex scenes don't often do is it lets itself have fun and not take things too seriously. Like there's nothing I hate more in a romantic comedy than super serious sex, which seems yeah. to happen sometimes where it's like, oh, the sex scene has to be really moody. Um, right. And it, it no, just doesn't yeah, they have giggle to be. Sex, and there's- sex should be fun yeah. and funny. And it is for them. Yeah, they giggle. He has a little trouble taking off her wedding dress stuff because it's all tied up and whatever. And so then she takes off the skirt and like lets it fall. And then he picks her up out of it and she hops into his lap. And it's very cute and it's very sexy. And it, it's it's a nice scene. But then we go to the wedding scene and it's implied that even though Amaya never says she's going to leave him at the wedding, I think... It's he's he's basically giving her every out and is like, you have to end this at some point. But no, she says, I do at the wedding. And he says, I don't. So he leaves. And well, he just he can't fo- lie. He can't lie about right, being right, Anton right. anymore. That's it's not through. It's not a lack of love for her. He just he can't do no, lying anymore. If he's going to marry Amaya, he wants to marry her as himself, <laughs> as Rafa, not as Anton. He wants her to love him for who he is. It makes sense. Uh, so he, oh, he did one more detail. The- I yeah. just love the fact that Caldo called his family to come. And so I don't know. I'm imagining that all of these Basque people showed up thinking that he was a relative, but not knowing that he actually has no relation to him at all. Uh, I don't know if that's a detail that I picked up on, but I was thinking at one point, like, cause it's hard to keep up. They, they speak so fast and there's so many points of view and there's so many plates being juggled from so many different perspectives uh, that some of the jokes just whiz right past me. So that would have been funny. Yeah. If the, if he was just like, Hey, um we're family and they're like oh okay so they show up for the wedding even though technically by blood they're not really family but you know once you're bosque your family um yeah but he leaves her at the altar so we cut to her dad drunkenly stumbling around goes up to mercedes's place and mercedes is like oh you silly silly man I'm not Anne. And he's like, next thing you know, you're going to tell me you're not really Anton's father. And he's, she's like, oh my God. So they sleep together. He, but it's like, they, they, they have a very good romantic intimate night. He wakes up and discovers that she's Spanish 
and that she was a transplant to Bosque who fell in <laughs> love with a Bosque man. And so he sees her at, for like, he's, he's immediately displaced spiritually speaking, but he accepts it. And so what does he do? He calls his daughter Amaya. They go to a bar and they just have a real heart to heart. And it's a nice moment. This is the moment where like, Oh my God, this movie's only an hour and 35 minutes. Just kiss. You know, I love that part. uh, Once they do the breakup, they just get them right back together with a touching, genuine, heartfelt moment. It's not a Notting Hill where they drag out. The oh, ending. I knew, I knew oh, you would God. react strongly to this. I knew you would react strongly to this. And even if you didn't like this movie, that you would feel good about the pacing of the breakup and the reconciliation. The breakup and reconciliation is. It's great because the moment they break up, they have a heartfelt moment. He gives her a bunch of money for the wedding or whatever. She doesn't want to take it. But what does she do? She oh, there's also a very funny scene. Sonia thought it might have been her favorite part of the movie, which is when her when her dad has his has Rafa's wallet. And they're like, let's go find out who this Seville guy is and da-da-da-da-da. And of course, Rafa can't let him know it's him, so he throws the wallet out the window. And then he's like, you know, Puh, shame on them, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yeah, but, you know, it sucks about the window. He's like, oh, yeah, I thought it was open. She thought that line was very funny. Um, <laughs> but again, it's it's cute how, like, she left her bag at his place. He left his wallet at her place. So she tracks him down, finds his address. And what does she do with the money? She does a big romantic grand gesture with all the cliches and all the civilian Spanishian romantic gestures, sweeps him off of his feet, and they ride off into the sunset on horse-drawn carriage, making out. The Cut end. To credits. The end. It's a, I, it was a, like, again, hour, 35 minutes. It's a fun, enjoyable little hijinksy rom-com. You know what you I mean? You know, just a I too love much a 90 minute rom-com or just a 90 minute runtime in general. And then when in I, in which case I'm so sorry, I must apologize to you uh, for Rex runtime. It didn't quite hit the 90 minutes. It was about 12 minutes short. <laughs> Honestly, it did everything it needed no, to do. Both, yeah, of, yeah, yeah. both of these movies are anti-Marvel <laughs> in that way. Yeah. I, 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 or even DC too. I haven't seen the new Batman because I hear it's three freaking hours long. All right. Well, I feel like this episode is I, is going to be longer. This this episode is going to be longer than the movie unless we I'll land this. this plane. Yes, <laughs> I'll say this. Marvel has gotten longer ever since endgame which is disappointing however marvel movies fit so much into their two and a half run times whereas dc movies feel infinitely longer however sony and i did see the batman and that three hour runtime did not feel like a slog it was a good runtime i thought it was a good movie i enjoyed it thoroughly it was a good detective story they let the mood of batman sink in for three hours I don't know how rewatchable it is, but it didn't feel like a slog sitting at it. I I enjoyed it. Well, Spanish Affair didn't need three hours to charm us. And I will tell you that apparently there is a sequel that is almost as popular as the first movie. It's called 
eight Catalan surnames. And in the sequel, Amaya dumps Rafa, which I do like the boldness of a sequel that's able yeah. to say they didn't, they weren't happily ever after. Yeah. Um, so she dumps Rafa, and the plot is that Caldo who's finally gotten accustomed to the idea of his daughter being with somebody who's not Basque, goes to Rafa and tries to make him win Amaya back from the Catalan guy who she's now with. Um, Mm. And that's the plot of the movie. So I guess in the second movie, we get into other Spanish regional stereotypes that we haven't yet covered. But now it makes sense. It's uh, they they t would it. They made they made the bad guy and the good guy friends. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Well, in the interest of the runtime of our podcast, <laughs> uh, I have to ask the question: Who would you kill from this movie? I'd kill the two friends, just because yeah. they were so extremely bland in how car- like. They didn't have enough height. They reminded me of the friends from um, Sweet Home Alabama, which are like. They didn't do They just show up and they giggle a little bit and that's it, which is like no offense, but I I feel like that role could have been. It could have been a little more just punched up. Yeah, I agree with you there. I would kill them, too. And they just made jokes that weren't that interesting or funny. Yeah. Sorry, guys. So getting into remix territory, how was creating the horror version of this story? Both of my movies this week are are like ideas at best. Oh, so you're giving me the half floor elevator pitch, as I've called it in the past. Uh, yeah, no, I think that that, that just happens sometimes where it's like, you have a good idea and you know, you have an idea that's going to get you to one floor or maybe half a floor, but not to the top of the building. Um, yeah, that's, it was, it, it almost was hard because without having any kind of like real theme theme, like I don't know. It, it just it, it was hard of the to theme like can make it easy and hard in that way. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I had fun with it. Yeah, same. I don't know. I, I'm looking back on on the other countries we have visited on the Necromancer tour, France, South Korea, Australia. I feel like not having a specific theme just made my remixes even crazier because I could go in almost oh. any direction. Interesting. Very interesting. Do you want to go first on this one or? Um, I could go either way, but I'll, I'll go first just because I'm excited to share with you my title change. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it wasn't a play off Spanish Affair. I took it off of the original uh, title. And I... Oh, nice. And I used Google Translate to get my title. Oh, you too? It is Ocho Cabezas Cortadas, which means eight severed heads. Oh, bring me the head of Alfredo Garcia. 
Exactly. I think that's a Mexican movie, though, right? I think so. Well, I think but, it's like a Tex-Mex grindhouse movie. Yeah. Yeah. No, I've heard good things. It's uh, okay. So, Ocho Cabezas Cortadas. We've got Rafa, who has a one-night stand with a Basque girl named Amaya. But, of course, when he wakes up, she is gone. Uh, and she has left her purse and a duffel bag. Inside the duffel bag is a severed head. Uh-oh. <laughs> Just but one? Then, but then, much to Rafa's surprise... The head talks and says, hi, I'm Murchie. What's your name? Yeah, I'm all for it. And after Rafa gets over the shock, he asks Murchie why she's still able to talk when she's just ahead. She explains that she's a witch. And mm -hmm. so is Amaya, the woman he just slept with. Uh, and of course, Amaya is a dark witch. She needs Murchie and the seven other decapitated witch heads uh, to attempt a huge dark spell to awaking, awaken a, a, I don't know, maybe some kind of sleeping pagan goddess destructor type thing. But she wants to, to basically destroy the world or some, something like that. Hell yeah. Uh, so Merchie demands that Rafa help stop Amaya from acquiring all eight heads. Uh, and of course, he refuses the call to adventure, as everyone does, and he tries to throw her head in the dumpster, uh, but then he feels guilty because this isn't just a head that you can throw in the dumpster and walk away. She's going to say, hey, why'd you throw me in here? It stinks. And so maybe this is more of a horror comedy. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it's a good, it's a good, it's a good move. <laughs> so of course, he has to take the head back. Uh, and he and, and Merchie head to Basque to find Amaya and stop her. He makes it all the way to her house where he finds three more severed heads. And maybe they're all chattering at once, too. It's yeah, very, yeah, yeah. very chaotic. Uh, and uh, Merchie, I, I think Rafa doesn't want to take the heads. But Merchie's like, no, we got to take them. We can't let her complete the smell. Uh, and so, of course, you know, we got four, four more <laughs> Heads in a duffel bag. <laughs> and then uh, as they're departing the house, a police officer stops Rafa and asks what's in the bag. Of course, he's forced to reveal the four severed heads. And as he's getting cuffed, all four heads start screaming in unison, shocking the officer, and Rafa gets away. Yeah. So by now, Amaya is aware that she's being followed by Rafa and the witch heads. And we'll say Rafa's also being followed by the police to make it more spicy. Uh, and she decides to use this to her advantage. She somehow tricks Rafa into bringing her the four severed heads and specifically bringing in them to her in the cave where she's arranged for the ritual spell to take place. Mm -hmm. uh, so he discovers that Amaya has gathered three more witch heads and the altar has been erected for her spell. And he points out, you miscounted. There's only seven heads. And that's when Amaya swings a machete and yells, you're the eighth. Rafa doesn't understand. He's not a witch. But then Merche tells him, you bear the mark. 
referring to a crescent birthmark on Rafa's neck. So now not only has Rafa discovered this crazy fact about himself, he's also fighting off a woman wielding a machete. Uh, and at first it seems like Amaya is going to get the better of him, but then he's able to wrestle the machete away. And I mean, let's say that there's like a butterfinger scenario and the machete slips and it, it makes a clean cut through uh, Amaya's neck because obviously she sharpened that thing for, for good good old decapitation, and then her head conveniently drops on the floor, which activates the spell. Yeah. And then all the heads cry, what have you done in unison? Uh, and then the earth cracks open and, you know, um, cabin in the woods style, we see the emergence of this thonic God uh, that destroys everything in its path. The end. I like it. Ocho cabezas cortadas. <laughs> not not inspired by eight heads in a duffel bag, mm -hmm. but also I'd like to point out very different. Yeah. Joe Pesci oh, yeah. was not involved in this movie. Uh, very different. Although I don't know now that he now that he came back for the Irishman, maybe he'll come back for this one. Maybe, maybe. He can get a little Joe Joe Pesci head cameo action in there. <laughs> um. All right, let's let's hear your pitch. All right, so my title is going to be called Ocho Verdades, which means eight truths. Ooh. Ooh. So we have Amaya. We're going to do the sort of modern horror movie opening where like Amaya's out in wherever, Seville or whatever. She goes back home, but the Seville boy the you know rafa follows her home because he's so smitten with her and this seems to happen a lot so she sort of allows him to come back home with her and they spend the weekend together and he gets to know her a little bit but then when she wakes up at the end of the weekend he's gone as they all are right like people are always following her back home but then once they get to know her a little bit they disappear However, she's also, it's clear because we kind of, you know, we spend like 10 to 15 minutes with Rafa before he disappears. And then we kind of get a montage of this happening more and more and more. But every time Ooh. Amaya brings someone home, she changes up her story. So Is she's she always doing a motel hell? No, she doesn't know why everyone's disappearing but she's she's figuring that like she, I don't I don't know again this is just a, a a beginning of an idea so maybe she's trying to keep the people in town with her but like they learn about her so they leave or maybe she's pur purposefully trying to lie to them to hide the truth because she's afraid they won't like her for who she really is the point is people are coming into town learning a lot of false things about Amaya and then disappearing then the town itself, the residents who know her, start dropping hints of, like, referencing her lies. So, like, you know, maybe they'll be like, oh, hey, uh, you know, uh, uh, my, my cousin is going to be coming into town and he's really bad at math. Can you be his math tutor? I know that you're a math tutor. And she's not really a math tutor. She just told that one guy from Seville that that one time. Like, how weird. Why would they think that? So a lot of small details start 
building up and even the details like if she goes to a pub even the people in the pub they all are approaching her with different stories so it's not like there's this big conspiracy in town that's like let's fuck with amaya it's like everyone is just in this foggy haze of like details and facts are becoming fluid in this very ethereal sense so it's going to be very nightmaristic in like daydream like in how how the the so the story flows how the uh the the scenes are constructed um and then there's going to be a big event like some big parade or something and so all the townspeople are hyping up the event and then when amaya wakes up on the day of the event the event has already taken place so it's very oh, weird. weird. So she's losing time now. Right. She's losing time. She's losing reality. She doesn't know what the truth is anymore, but she's not the one who's creating this on per Like, it's not like she's being malevolent about it. It's happening to her. So she goes, I don't know. She goes to some mansion or whatever. Maybe it's like a guy who's able to help her. She learns about him or whatever. So we get this Herbert West reanimator type just fucking crazy doctor guy, right? Like this is going to be, we get a Spanish comedian to come in and just create a role. You know what I mean? <laughs> and this the guy way, is Billy Crystal created miracle max for, yes. <laughs> for <his bread. laughs> right. Like we just give whoever the comedian is full, like clean slate to just a blank canvas to do whatever they want. So this reanimator type guy is this guy who's creating like magic and science and whatever. And he's stalking Amaya and he's trying to create her perfect man, which is infinitely hard when every boyfriend you kidnap of hers is telling you different stuff about her. So he creates this Frankenstein's monster type amalgamation boyfriend monster for her to be in love with. Oh, and his how plan nice is, of him. I know. And his plan is he's going to put his brain in the Frankenstein's monster because he's so hopelessly in love with Amaya. He's trying to create the perfect man for her. She's just making it really hard. So at the end of this movie, the final 20 minutes of this movie is just going to be an evil dead, dead alive style gauntlet where Amaya has to ash it up, evil dead it up, turn into a badass, right? We're going to keep the kind of Spanish pixie dream girl aspect until she takes off her shirt, just like in Wreck, right? In Wreck, the girl is like, I'm a cute little girl. And then she takes off her shirt and she's got a tank top on. And then she turns into a badass and she's like, oh, fuck, yeah, we're going to do the same treatment for Amaya. So Amaya turns into a total uh, uh, badass and is able to defeat all of this guy's crazy reanimated Frankenstein monsters. And I don't know how it ends, if it's going to have a happy ending, a sad ending, what? It's up to you. We can we can do an ambiguous ending with sequel setup. Oh, well, yeah, because when Sonia was looking at Wreck, she she thought I meant W-R-E-C-K. And once she realized it was R-E-C, as in Wreck, she's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of them. I'm like, yes, Sonia, it's a low-budget horror movie. <laughs> They're easy to make, and they make a lot of money. There's at least five Wrecks out there. 
Yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, yeah, no, I I like it. I yeah, no, ambiguous ending with a sequel setup is the way to yeah. go because you're you're gonna have to yeah. you have to follow eight truths with eight lies, and then right. um, eight times to die. Uh, yeah. You know, you can just but the idea of someone's reality caving in on them and their own lies being mm-hmm. turned against them, but not in a like a malicious way in a way that's like just almost like a karmic way, you know? I like it. I like it a lot. Well, I am conscious of us having an episode almost as long as the movie we watched. I don't think that we're as good at pacing as they are, but we're working on it. Uh, Be patient with us. Uh, before we get into Love Bites, just want to remind you that you can follow us on social media at Necromancer Pod. And I also encourage you to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts and leave a review. All right. Getting into Love Bites, where we recommend things that we are into this week. What would you like to recommend, Brett? Well, since we're being super conscious on time, which I think is fine because this is a fun podcast. And uh, if if you ever watch a movie or anything and you've got just a little bit of time left over to have a fun game with whoever you watch your movie with, if you've got a movie buddy like me and Sonia, uh, there's a game called Taco Cat. It's a card game. Cute. And it comes in a little box and it's all about palindromes. So all the cards on it and all the little pieces have palindromes. So race car, taco cat, you know, a pigeon walks into a park on a Monday evening. Somehow like those crazy long sentences are palindromes, all that kind of stuff. But the game itself is super simple. The game itself is kind of like, it's just a one, a one through 12 numbered card game. And you got to try to bluff your way into getting the lowest card from the other person the game is super duper duper well designed as in the package it comes in like all of the instructions are built into the design of the game. So oh, once nice. You learn, That's actually very hard to do. Right. Right. Once you learn the game once you can know how to play it forever. It's easy to pick up just like a bicycle. And if I know how to play the game and you don't, it's extremely easy for me to explain it to you. Because the game, the way the game is produced and designed is um, is very fun. It's it's from a, a famous game company. I don't know if they did Exploding Kittens or not. But it's like that same kind of vibe. Right. Of like, it's it's a modern game company that just has its shit together. And the game is only like five minutes long, really. It's a short game. It's purposefully designed to be very short but it's very fun. The only problem with it is that Sonia probably has like our record. Sonia's record against me is probably like 12 to three. I I've only won a handful of times. Sonia beats me every time (laughs) and it's frustrating, but that's it. Taco cat. It's a fun little game, a quick and easy game. So, how about you? What's your love bite? What's Amor my love bite? Champos. <laughs> <I'm> more champos. <laughs> um, 
mine this time, I'm going to recommend recommend a movie by one of my favorite Spanish directors and really the one of the only Spanish directors that has a huge international presence. That's Pedro Almodovar. Uh, and oh, yeah. He has a ton of movies, but one that I would recommend to romance fans is a little movie called Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down. Now, listen to the premise, and don't judge a story by its premise, but Antonio Banderas plays a mental patient who escapes from the institution and then kidnaps his favorite actress, ties her up, and tries to make her fall in love with him. Yeah. And then hijinks ensue. So, yeah, there, there are some things about this movie that I think would be very triggering to some people. So I, I would I would add that as a disclaimer. But I find Time Me Up, Time Me Down to be a fun movie and a nice entry point into Pedro Almodovar's work. Uh, he has some really interesting, bizarre movies in his back catalog, like um, I, I think it's kind of underrated. I'm a fan of a movie high heels. Um, but yeah, I would, I would start with tie me up, tie me down or one of the later ones and see what you think of his work. Yeah. I'm going to be honest. Pedro Eldavar, Elma Davar is a big blind spot for me. I, I saw, I think the only movie I saw of his is a movie called Volver with Penelope Cruz. I haven't. I haven't seen Volver. I I feel like I've seen everything he's done before Volver because I but took to a film honest, class on him and watched a bunch of movies. From what I remember about Volver, though, it was a great movie. I remember being like, because I knew nothing about it, and so when I saw it, I was like, "Holy crap, this movie's great!" Um, and it was interesting. Yeah, it was about a lady who's like a ghost, but she's not really a ghost. She's alive, but everyone thinks she's a ghost and. It's just, it's very silly and it's very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of stuff he does has the touch of the surreal to it and he is right. very. Like it's a serious, it's a serious movie, but it's also very funny, but you're right. Like it's got this, just a one little bizarre element of surreal, almost like about time. It's like oh, just yeah. this one little twist. I think that he's, he's really good at doing stuff like that. Um, and, and he's only gotten better, but yeah, I, I highly encourage you to fill that blind spot. Now I gotta ask, how would Grandpapi Marte sign us off? I think he would say, I'm about to be the new Andalusian leader of the Necromancer is produced by Brett Dorman and Shira Moore. The theme song is Symphonia 3 by Kevin McLeod on the album Oddities. <laughs>